Okay, Matthew 6.10 says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prophetic mandate of heaven. Since the day Jesus spoke it, it has not stopped. Prophets will come, prophets will go, emphasis will come, generations will rise. But this mandate has never, ever ceased and will never stop or cease to cease. Is that right? Yeah, cease to cease. Cease is, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It will never cease because this is the mandate of heaven. Our Father's kingdom must come. It must come on earth. It has to fall in someone, should say, it has to fall on someone, in someone, and move through someone. So the Father's kingdom must fall on you, in you, and it must work through you. The Father's kingdom is the greatest emphasis. Without his emphasis being carried in your life, God's kingdom does not come forth. How many of you know that? But here's the issue. Our Father's will in heaven... How many of you know in heaven, there is no chaos? In heaven, there is no chaos, not a sign, not a jot, not a drop of chaos. Peace, unity, and harmony in heaven. But what does the earth look like? Totally the opposite. Now, do you believe it's our Father's will for heaven to be be in perfect unity and earth to remain in chaos? Can't be. So, God's will and mandate is that His kingdom should reflect what's going on in heaven. And and until the two are perfectly aligned, God will not stop moving through his church. It is the church's role and responsibility to bring the earth into alignment so it matches the perfection of heaven. God's kingdom can live and function on the earth as it is in heaven. Some of you don't realize that. Believe that. Well, if you don't believe it, you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble if you don't believe it. I believe it for my life. I have heaven inside my heart. But I'm not in chaos. So I'm living proof that I'm a picture of heaven. I'm not the full. But I am a representation of heaven on the earth that my life is not in chaos. So if my life's not in chaos, already... Heaven is beginning to be emphasized, and it's a model on the earth. So when others begin to see my life, hopefully through my life, they get a glimpse of heaven. Come on. See it in your own life. If heaven's always a million miles away, and it's never on the earth, how do people ever connect with it? You can't keep on praying, thinking you're going to get to heaven. Let heaven come in you. That's how the people see heaven, through you. Oh, we're on a hard crowd today. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So there's a word that's been settled in heaven. In other words, it's, not, it's no longer being debated. It's, it's not up for discussion. It's not up for debate, and you can't mess around with this word. This word is settled in heaven. And you see that? Right. That word that's been settled in heaven is the very word that was given to Jeremiah and is given to you. So what's been settled in heaven can be settled on the earth. You see that? 
So we're moving and we operate from a word that has been settled. It's not ambiguous. It's not uh, gray. It's not different shades of gray. It's black and white. It's not debatable. It's clear. It's settled. God has settled it. God has planned it. He's purposed it. It's settled. From that position, he speaks. That's the same position that you must speak from. So when Jean was, was calling on her, on her healing, she was moving from what has already been settled by his stripes. I am healed, not will be healed. In the Old Testament, he says, you will be healed. And Peter says, you are. So we, why does Peter say that? Because Christ has come. Because the, the price was paid. So we're moving from a settled word. You, the kingdom moves and operates and functions on a settled word. Though the enemy comes to twist it, that's the issue. But he twists what he knows is settled because he knows that you know it's not settled. So you have to, here we go, settle what's already been settled in your heart. Because if you can be tossed around by every wind and doctrine, it's not settled. It's got to be fixed, firmed, rooted in your life, or you will be moved. Yeah? That which has been settled in heaven is, not, is incorruptible. But it can be corrupted in you. Or you can be corrupted. Not the word, you can be corrupted. How many of you know that word that has been settled in the heavens is ignored on the earth? It's distorted on the earth. Yeah? How is it distorted? How is it corrupted? How is it uh, confusing? Why? Through philosophies. Earthly philosophies. Through time, generation, winds of Ideas, beliefs, thoughts, crazy ideas are created into philosophies. The more people gather around a philosophy, then people think it's the truth. The more the people around and the crowd grows, it then becomes an absolute in society. We don't have to look at homosexuality. They're a small minority of people who portray themselves as a majority. Yeah? They're not as big as, as we think they are. But their voice seems to be, because they use the right channels to speak, they appear bigger than they actually are. But they're not. You've heard me say this. They're, like, they're just a small, in, uh, they're a small dot on planet Earth. It's growing. It's growing. That is without a doubt. So Colossians 2 verse 8 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive. Through hollow and deceptive, what? Philosophy. Which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Okay, let's break that down. There is a warning and a responsibility being issued here. See that you don't get taken captive. So if he's putting a warning out there, he's telling you it's possible. It's possible to be taken captive through hollow philosophies, through hollow doctrines, 
through hollow thoughts and ideals very, very easily. Even in a church, a few people start saying a few things, and it's so, off, it's so easy for you to, to buy in on what's being said. But it can be completely erroneous. Why? Because it's fueled by opinion. It's fueled by emotions. And, and, and there's always a key voice behind it. And it generates a fan club. That's what philosophies do. Yeah? So there's a responsibility there that there is a possibility and a responsibility of guarding your heart that you don't see that you're not taken into corruption or into error. Everybody see that? Because this kingdom, this word that's been settled is up for grabs. It's settled in the heavens. There's not an issue in the heavens. But on the earth, game on. You've got to make sure that this word that's settled in the heavens is settled in you. The next question is, how? Well, through hollow and deceptive philosophies. It's hollow. In other words, it's got no substance, but it's got plenty of emotion. It's got plenty of emotion, but it's hollow. Then you come to, so we see the warning responsibility. We see how through hollow, deceptive philosophy. Then we see that the philosophy, what is the philosophy? It depends on human tradition. So it's flesh and blood. But it's, but it's fueled by spirit, not Holy Ghost, demonic spirit. Yeah? So when we had the riots come a couple of years ago, it was based on human feelings, thoughts, as to the police were wrong to do what they did to that boy in London. This was the philosophy. Yeah? But everybody who got involved in that had nothing to do with that issue. Everybody who got involved in it saw it as an opportunity for a, for a human tradition called corruption to be given a license to operate. It was fueled by a spirit. It was mechanical in its operation, but it was demonic by its influence. Whenever a nation goes crazy in a 36-hour period, that is not natural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And in supernatural, we mean demonic. And then all of a sudden, it stops. And everyone, just, everyone puts the TV down and goes back to their own ways again. I think, what was it doing? People who are not even like that joined in. Why? Because demonic activity moves in the nations. Britain went crazy. Yeah? Philosophies shape our thinking. They are patterns shaping our thinking and our behaviors. Would you not agree? So you've got St. Johnny there who looks after his family and all of a sudden he's eating his tea. He sees that on the TV and he goes, look at those idiots. And the next night he looks and he goes, hey, Barbara, I think we can get a new TV out of this. All of a sudden his mind's been infiltrated by what he sees. The prevailing spirit in the air takes control. It does. Do you think Holocaust... Do you think the Holocaust wasn't worked like that? Evil operates in your midst. But how does evil operate? It works through a philosophy. It works through a tradition. It works through humanity. Yeah? These philosophies have traditions and basic principles, which are alternatives to Christ. They're alternative to that word that's been settled. Because in our, in our society now... 
What is truth? Truth relative. Truth is whatever you want it to be. No, truth is what's been settled. But look how far we've moved. Yeah? The truth is still settled. That's our compass. That's our moral, righteous compass to move from the word that's been settled. Can you see this? The moment you gather around humanity and philosophies, they'll push you and stretch your mind and they'll say, all we're doing here is stretching the imagination, really. The education system of going from universities right down is based on human traditions and principles and philosophies which are spiritually inspired. You're not convinced of that, some of you. I know you're not. And the very fact that you can't see it tells me my next verse is gold. Thank you for falling into the trap. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Well, I'm a believer. Oh, only in some areas. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age. Who is the God of this age? Now, when he says the God of this age, he does not put it in capital G. So he's not referring to our God. He's not referring to the Lord God. He's not referring to the word, the God that settled, spoke the word and settled it in the heavens. He's talking to the God of this age. The God of this age is the prevailing ruling spirit, which is Satan. He operates and he influences people in various societies. Would you agree? So let's break it down. The God of this age. Satan is the God of this age. Let's be very clear about that. He doesn't advertise himself. He lets others do it. But we who are spiritual can see it and track it. But those who are not spiritual can't. And they fall for it. Because it sounds a good idea. And it works on people mass. And that's why today with media outlets, just hit it if you like on Facebook, or send this if you agree with it, and we build this collage of opinion. You come along and say, oh, four million people like this. It must be sensible. Only if you're a dipstick. The God of this age, so therefore there is a God of this age operating. What's he done? He has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And believers. Other scriptures say that, not this one. In other words, In other words, he's preventing them from seeing alternatives. He's preventing people from seeing alternatives. Alternatives being Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. So so when he separates and blinds and prevents people from seeing alternatives, they cannot see him or want or desire what they can't see. If you think... Alcohol, drugs, fornication is the only way. You'll keep on doing it. You'll keep on doing it. And then all of a sudden, an alternative comes. Christ presents himself. Then you have another way. And you think, what, there's another way? If there is a God, take this from me. Bang. He didn't know there's another way. They cannot see the glory of God through creation. Have you noticed? The atheist, doesn't matter what glory, what splendor creation speaks, they can't see it. They just can't see it. They have no idea that creation is speaking. They look at the skies and they see a UFO. They're looking for aliens on other planets. Yeah? But what does the Bible say? 
The skies proclaim his name. So there are all weird things in the sky. The skies proclaim the glory of his name. So the, guy, the skies are speaking. A blue sky says something different. It says there's no rain. A blue sky can say anything you want. Lie back on the grass, look up, and your imagination can go wild. Can't it? When the sun sets and you see the red, it says something else. The sky's always speaking. Rain causes me to say something. I'm speaking when it's raining. Not again. But in other parts of the world, rain is everything. Yeah? The world does not see you and I, nor does it see the work of of the kingdom as a reflection of the nature image of God. It doesn't see you and I until you open your mouth. Me stood here right now, I'm no different from the guy across the road in terms of flesh and blood. But the moment I begin to open my mouth, there should be a difference. This is why Jeremiah, chosen's not enough. Appointed is the next, the next level. Jeremiah, uh, Moses, I've chosen you, you and your brother. Moses said, well, no, you'd have to use our kid. Why? Because our kid's a lot better at speaking than me. Yeah, I know he is, but he's still chosen. But Moses, open your mouth, I've appointed you, go to Pharaoh. Chosen wasn't enough. Amen? So, 2 Corinthians 3. This is the interesting thing about how when the God of this age blinds people. Listen to this. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Just stop there a minute. It's talking about the Jewish nation. They're stood there. They're in worship. But they can only see one aspect of God. They can't see his son. They pray and God doesn't listen to them. That's not just the Jews, by the way. You can put that into any religious bracket. They worship a God they do not know. They pray to a God that cannot answer them. This is the Jews. This is our own Bible saying this. This will always be the case, but this is now. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, a veil is taken away. So we, what do we see from this? Satan does not have the power to keep the veil on. Though he blinds the people, he doesn't have the power and authority to keep them blind. That's why you and I must go and present the truth. That's why you and I must open our mouth. Because when you and I open our mouth and we go from chosen to appointed, we give them an alternative they never knew existed. Yes? But you see, when we're sat in here singing, come by arm, Lord, the world's still going to hell. Phil spoke that to us. Yeah? We cannot get, think, well, we're the chosen, so we're, all great. we're, we're safe, we're solid, we're, right. we're going to heaven, and not care about this earth. I've got cramping before you. <laughs> that always happens to me. Yeah, we can't do that, church. It's not fair. So it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces, so think about this. If Satan had complete power over blinding people, how did you get saved? Ta-da! Think of that. Maybe you're not saved. (laughs) Maybe, not maybe, you need to be saved. Maybe you're religious and you think you're saved. Ooh. 
So we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So he just doesn't take the veil off our face. He then takes us, he takes us into transformation. Yeah? So Satan doesn't have the power to keep me dark. In darkness, you should say. But guess what? As long as no one goes and points and gives them an alternative, he has. Now, we know God can sovereignly come into anyone's bedroom. We know that. But you see, some people think and have thought that there is a philosophy and a doctrine that says this. Well, then we don't need to witness because God knows who he's chose. Are you all going quiet now? Now, though you, though you may not believe that, you practice that. Oh, thank you, Lord. Once I was blind, now I can see. So what do you think is more important, the philosophy or the practice? The practice. So we must not believe that we are different from those who believe we don't need to witness. We do need to witness. Scripture's full of it. See, that's the God of this age, blinding us. Yes? So John 10, 10 says this. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only. So he has one purpose. He only comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Kill, steal, destroy who? The world. The world. But I have come, so there's another purpose, that they may have life. And have life to the... Full. So what do we see here? There are two opposite forces working on the earth. Yeah? In the lives of people. Two opposite forces. One force is working to still kill and destroy. Because why? That's its nature. Let's get that very clear. That's its nature. The other force, he's working from the word that's been settled in heaven. Yes? And his purpose is to come that they may have life. And of life to the full. Two different purposes. Yes? Now both forces have a kingdom. Both forces have rule and they have territory. Both forces. Yes? Both forces have power and authority, but not the same amount. They don't have the same amount. Satan doesn't have, doesn't have all authority. He has measured, limited authority. And power. Jesus Christ has all authority, all power, all glory, all dominion. He has it all. But he gives the little fella a bit. But the little fella portrays himself like he's got a lot. Does he not? And Christians are sat there in the church thinking he's more powerful than us. Says who? Read your Bible. Both powers have a mountain. And mountains and domains. And dominion. But one will crush the other. Yeah? The only kingdom, but only the kingdom of heaven has the power to smash all the other kingdoms, all the other authorities, all the other domains, all the other dominions, only the kingdom of God. I said only the kingdom of God. Now, it's great to know that fact, but we've got to live in the reality of that. We've got to live from that word that's been settled. That's our reference point. Our reference point is not an opinion. 
Our reference point is the truth. Don't let it become an opinion. Don't let it become a debatable opinion in your mind. It's got to be settled. If it's settled in heaven, it's got to be settled on the earth. Settled in your life. Choose today who you'll serve. Choose today life or death, but choose. Settle. Settle it. Move from what's been settled. It's a lot firmer. When I know something's been settled, I can just go and move. It's been settled. Father's saying it. Father will keep on saying it. God's not going to change his mind. I operate on the word. And that's when, when you operate on the fixed word, you get results. Whenever you keep shifting from opinions and doubts, you never get the result. Yeah? So let's look at this little dude called Satan. His position, his identity, his shame, and his destiny is openly laid bare for us all to see. Let me say that again. His position, his identity, his shame, and his destiny is openly laid bare for us all to see. Isaiah 14, verse 12. So, it doesn't have all the same power, authority, and glory as Christ. He's a defeated foe. That's settled. Okay? He is a defeated foe. His time is short. So, you know, if you knew your time was short, you'd live to your maximum. Okay? So, you, how you are fallen from heaven. What a great opener. O morning star, meaning Lucifer, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. So, where's his, where's his place? Earth. He's been cast out of what's been settled. You're no longer allowed in. Get out, you scuffer. Kick him down on the earth. So now he's got legal right to reign on the earth. Legal. He's been cast down there. God kicked him. He knew where he was kicking him to. He knew where he was kicking him to. Yes? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I'm going to ascend to heaven. So we wanted to take over. He wanted to do the the Rambo, one-man mission. I'll raise my throne above the stars of God. I'll sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. What's the sacred mountain? Zion. That's God's operation headquarters, Zion. That's where he operates from. That's where a scepter will come forth from Zion. Scepter's rulership. Amen? So we know, in in Hebrews, it says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the sacred assembly, yeah, where the spirits of righteous men are made perfect. So this is where we come. He said, and I will ascend above the top of the clouds. So he always wants to be the top dog. I'll make myself like the most high. Guess what? He wants to make himself. You are made in the image of the most high. We don't have to make ourselves. He's done it for us. Amen? So everything that you have has been given to us. Everything he wants, he's trying to steal it. So what's his nature? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's his nature. Yes? But you are brought down to the grave, to the depth of the pit. And everyone went, hey! These are those who are your, uh, sorry, those who see you, stare at you, and they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble. So he has power. He has the power to shake, and he has the power to make people tremble. 
So we see he's got power. He's a defeated foe, but he has power. But guess what? The moment you work from what's been fixed, he has no power over you. So he's not got all power. He's got limited power. And the moment you operate in the light, he's gone. Amen? So the man who made the world a desert... Sorry, let's go back again. Those who see stare at you and ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a desert, who overthrew its cities and would not let captives go home. He will not let captives go home. So Luke says, I've come to free the captives. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring truth, freedom, liberty, set free the captives. Yeah? So everything that he's doing, you've got the spirit of God, which is a higher power, to break open what he's holding. He's got the prison cell, but you've got the key. Amen? So we see he's a defeated, he's a defeated foe. Now we see, or as we have been seeing before I went to Malaysia, we see that, we see Satan operates in domains. Domains meaning mountains. Mountains are domains. That's it there. You'll see. We just broke down the things that govern our society, and we see there is media, government, education, economy, arts, entertainment, religion, family. Don't get caught up with seven. There can be more than that. The issue is we see this is how Satan influences the nations. Now, most of us work for companies in those mountains. Yes? And at the top, you all work for a board. Yeah? I'm not talking about your manager now, your boss. Go beyond your boss. I'm talking about the owners of the companies, the controllers of the companies. There are CEOs sat at a table determining practices and beliefs and behavior of those companies. Yes? You are just a person who they can hire and fire tomorrow and get somebody else. You, they have become the pharaohs of our economy and our society. And they demand their bricks and straw to be made. And they tell you that if you don't work, we'll find somebody who does. If you don't work longer, we'll find somebody who can. If we're reducing your wages, but if you don't like it, we'll find somebody who will. So we bring in cheaper labor. These are the pharaohs that run in society. But where are they influenced from? They're influenced from the one who wants to ascend to the most high place. Yes? Now, when you get obstacles in your company, you've got to see it as a much bigger issue than just you having an issue with your boss. You've got to see that spiritual forces are, in, are running and infiltrating our society. So every war that you fight is not what? Come on, fill in the gaps. It's not flesh and what is it? So why is it spiritual? Because of those issues. You can't see the powers that you're fighting. You just see flesh and blood. You think your boss is just a pain in the backside. And she may be, he may be, they may be. The point is, there are spiritual forces trying to govern our society. Come on. You've got to see it. But we, as the kingdom, also are in those mountains. We're working in those places. So, if you're in government, you've got to find the word of God to be able to maneuver your way to affect policies. Come on. 
You all say you want a Christian prime minister. Why? Just because you've got a Christian who's a prime minister. What do you want him to do? You want him to affect policies that makes your nation a clean, righteous nation. That's policy. So we need people who can get into that domain of government and politics to affect. We need people who can go into the business section sector. Why? Because there's greed. There's corruption. Go and look at many of the. Uh, go look at Nigeria. Go and look at Nigeria. Go and look at Russia. Go and look at America. Go and look at Britain. Wherever there's money, there's corruption, because money appeals to the greed. There are demonic forces taking rice off one person. Have you noticed? Economists seem to take more and more away from you. So we need good, godly men who can go into those systems. And when I say good, godly men, you just being light, salt and light where you are. You may never get a chance to change a policy, but you can change your, your workplace. You can change your street. You can change your family. You start where you are. You must start where you are because you've got, you must work from that word that's been settled. Start from there. You can change your hospital ward. Policy won't let you lay hands on the sick, but it doesn't stop you talking. You may, find, you may have to find a way out to do it. You've got to find wisdom and tact. It's not just going to work that makes you salt and light. It's opening your mouth. It's how you act. It's when, it's sometimes it's when you don't open your mouth. When everyone else is talking, you keep your mouth shut. That shows a righteousness and a wisdom. Amen? See, I love, what I love about God is this. He set the whole thing up. And he allows Satan to think that Satan's getting the upper hand. But every move that Satan makes, take a step back. God has already settled on a predestined plan. It's been settled. So, Satan is a program that's running in a much bigger settled program. Okay? And Satan doing what he's doing can never outmaneuver God. Why? Because God's always working for what's been settled. He knows his next move, but you don't. But if you move from what's been settled... You too can outwit the enemy. Scripture says it. We're not ignorant. Why are we not ignorant? Because we can move on the, we can stand on the side that knows his next move. Think about this. And I love the fact that God, you know, in the Pinocchio, you all know Pinocchio, you all seen the movie Pinocchio, Geppetto. Is that his name, Geppetto? Geppetto is, is, is he created Pinocchio. Right? So he's the puppet master. God is Satan's puppet master. The people of the earth are Satan's puppet master. But any time God comes along through you with the truth and the light, you just cut your strings. Just cut your strings. Because what they're held, if, if Phil's not a believer and he's held captive, I come along with the truth, cuts the strings, he's free. Simple as that. You just don't want Satan to become your puppet master. He has his own puppeteers. Satan has his own puppeteers. He has his own allies who are going to play a major role in the grand scheme of things. Do you know that? Satan has key allies that he will use 
but God has already, you know, Satan thinks he's going to use them so he can get victory. No, God's already moving from what's settled. Let's look at these characters for a minute. In Revelation chapter 19, 20, look at this dude up here. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on behalf, with it, uh, on, on his behalf. With these signs, he has deluded those who has received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Yes, I like that. That's Hollywood. Trample on the sucker. The beast and the harlot. The false prophet, you're going down. But look at the power they have. The beast was captured and with him the false prophet who performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. Are you getting this? So Satan's got a puppeteer who can create false miracles. So what does your Bible tell you? Phil's already taught us this in, in elementary teachings. You'll finish it off as soon as I start the verse. Oh, and do not let anyone lay hands on you. Why? Because the spirit transference, you've got to determine the source. I don't mean HP, ketchup. Source meaning spirit. False, counterfeit miracles. Not only God does miracles. That might, that might just bamboozle you for a minute. So that just kind of, yep. You have got to settle the source. Yes? With these signs, what did he do next? He deluded. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast. So he deluded. So there is a subtlety, that veil. He still has that veil and ability to cover people. And listen, he's not talking about, he's talking about nations here. All those nations on those mountains had deluded by this beast and the false prophet. So behind the false prophet is a beast. So what do we need to do? You don't have to look in the Old Testament to see the damage that false prophets created. And how they turned the heart of the nation. And how God went straight after the false prophet. He said, they're lying and they're using my name. There's nothing worse than someone using your name and your words as if it's truth and it's a lie. How does it make you feel? God does the same. He said, don't listen to them. Boys, you're in trouble. Now you vex me. So we see. So Satan has his own puppeteer system as his allies and he pulls the strings of such the beast and the false prophet who, listen, Suffer the same fate. They're all thrown into the fire. At that point, we're going to go. This is his end. He's open. The Bible's showing us his end. His shame, his guilt. He's gone. But listen, we're talking about the end. There's a, let's, we've also got to work in the beginning. We've all got to work in the middle part. That's where the kingdom's got to advance. I'll get to that in a minute. Look how. The harlot, the beast, or the harlot, prostitute, deludes and seduces the nations and the domains, mountains. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 17, 1. Look how the harlot beast or the harlot prostitute 
deludes and seduces the nations and the mount or the domain mountains. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters with her kings of the earth committed adultery and inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of the adulteress. So she sits on many waters. What's the waters referring to in scripture? Nations. She sits on the nations. Nations are being influenced by this woman, by this harlot, this prostitute. She entices them. Can you imagine that? She entices them. Yes? And, and, the, and so the nations commit adultery with her. Wow. And the inhabitants of the earth were intox- intoxicated. The people. So she intoxicates the nations. She gets the government officials. And through their philosophies, they put that down to the people. And the whole people are taken in by this woman. It starts from the mountains. The government officials or the heads of the mountains. They affect the people. And the people are taken. Think about it. This is key. Let's go to verse 3. The angel carried me away in the spirit into the desert. There I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast and was covered with blasphemous names. Look at her. Look at the picture. She's got gold. She's got jewels. She looks sedu- seducing. She has to be sedu- seductive so that people will buy into her. So you can be deluded. Yes? She's covered, uh, covered with blasphemous names and seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet. They're royal colors. They, those royal purple and scarlet predict beauty. And was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things in the filth of her adulteress. This was written on her forehead. She's carrying her own name around with her. And yet the nations still fall for it. Wow. Wow. Let's go to verse 6. And I saw that woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. She's not only intoxicated the people of the earth, but she's taken the lives of the saints. Wow. So is it possible that saints can be taken by her? Yes. Now that's talking about martyrs martyred saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. So you will not be liked nor wanted when this woman's on the earth. Yeah? Why are you astonished? Why? I've just seen something that's terrible. I'll explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten arms. Why? Because I'm going to show you we operate from a fixed position and he's only got a limited time. So Revelation chapter 20, Satan's doom is clearly there for us to see. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be reduced from his prison. So he's been in prison. He's he's done his time, but now he's back out again. And you will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. In number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They are marched to across the breadth of the earth. And, excuse me, and surrounded the camp of God's people. That's Israel. The city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. 
And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast, the false prophet, had been thrown. So they've all gone. They will be tormented day and night forever. It's good to know that they don't have total authority. They have limited authority. But you have total authority. Yeah? See, in order to understand how these things will pan out and what part of our society these things will begin to manifest themselves. We have to, when we read scripture, we have to understand types and shadows, symbols and systems. I'll say that again for you. In order for us to understand how these things will pan out in our generation, in our society, we have to understand types and shadows, symbols and systems. Scripture speaks to us in those ways. So when he talks of an empire, it can be a system. Yes, it can be a shadow of something else. It can be a type. Yes, do you understand this? So you have to understand it when you're reading it. You have to understand that not everything you're seeing is literal. It's a type or a shadow, a system or a symbol. Yes? Do you think there'll be a woman on a beast? Physical woman riding a beast? Right. It's so obvious to see this woman dressing, I mean, a ten-headed beast walking down Market Street. Well, I've seen a few sights on Market Street on a Saturday night. It probably fits in with them. But a beast walking around with ten heads and a harlot on the back? Really? Really? So he's given us a type. He's given us a shadow there. He's given us a glimpse of what is to come. Now, this is what keeps us all in the Bible and keeps us all talking about. I think some say, I think it's Russia. Other thing is China. Da-da-da, da-da-da. You cannot interpret what's going to happen without the book of Daniel. So let's go to the book of Daniel for a minute. I'm not taking you to the book of Daniel so we can show you eschatology. That's not my point this morning. I want to show you and finish that this kingdom is going to have total victory. Our kingdom, not that kingdom she writes on. Daniel chapter 2 verse 31. You looked, O king, and now what's happened is, is the king's had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream. And he can't find anyone to interpret it. And he calls all his magicians, his soothsayers, his astrologers. And they say to him, well, king, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it's about. And he says, no, 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 you crafty rats. You tell me my dream without me telling you anything. And he says, if you don't, I'm going to kill you all. So there's fear in the camp. Daniel is one of the, the, one of the not the magicians, one of the intelligent people. Because he wants to kill all the wise men, the king, because he's so brassed off. This dream so plagues him, he wants an answer. So he commands all the wise men to be killed. Daniel's one of the wise men. He talks to one of the executors and said, why is the king issued such a hard decree? And this guy begins to tell him. He said, well, tell him. I'll answer it. So he goes back and says, boys, we've got a chance to get out. Pray like mad. Ask God to give us the, king, the king's dream. Because if we don't, we're all gone. Can you imagine you pray a little bit more sincere when you know your head's on the ready? Right? So they go in and they start praying, rabba shabba right? They get the dream of the king. Daniel goes, cool, calm, and collected. Well, king, it's like this. Starts to present, present the, uh, the king. And here we go in verse 31. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue. There he is. See it on there? A large statue. 
an enormous dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. Don't look at that. You've just seen the picture. You don't need to look at the information. That's not my point. I just want to show you the statue. The head and the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly baked of clay. So you see different compositions of metals there, and they all symbolize nations and empires and leaders and rulers, and, and, and philosophies will come out of those leaders and rulers. So he's showing the king that there's going to be other empires after you. And each one will have a measure of influence on, on, on the earth. But none like you, O king, because you're the greatest. Smart ploy. Smart ploy. Tell the king what he wants to hear. But that was the truth. That's what God was saying. You're the gold nation. You're the one who's going to be above all else. You're the head. But as you, after you, things will begin to degenerate. Things will begin to slide. Things will become brittle and flexible and fragile. Never, ever, ever in the history of our world has our world been so fragile than it is today. Nations against nations are raging. If Greece goes down the pan, how many nations does she take with her? If Russia picks up, it leans on that button tomorrow, or China leans on that button, Iran or North Korea, what's going to happen? And there's all these uncertainties. And, and the people could live in fear and panic, but guess what? It's not time. Do not fear a Russian falling asleep, slipping on the button. Don't fear an Iranian going crazy. Don't fear a North Korean going crazy. Don't fear it. Why? It's not the time. Why? Because things still need to take place. God's clean about his kingdom. If you work from the prophetic point of view rather than from a fear, God can speak to us a lot clearer. Amen? You, must, you can only interpret revelation like this through the apostolic minds and the prophetic minds. Yes? Because they're t they, you can't just work from what you know. You've got to work from what you need insight into. Yeah? Because so many have got these types and sh uh, symbols wrong. So if you get your type and your symbol wrong, your whole theology is wrong. I've got this deal with God. He comes, I go. I read the back of the book, we win. But the point is, there's a lot I need to take responsibility for while I'm here. Amen? It's not want to beam up, Scotty. Some of you don't know what that means. What's Star Trek? It's the gospel of Star Trek. Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. While you were watching a rock, whoa, while you were watching, O king, watch, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. So something bigger than all those kingdoms is emerging. Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is having a dream here, and he's seen all these things, and, and Daniel's explained to him the kingdoms, but then, but then, the best is saved to last. A kingdom begins to emerge that's cut out of the stone, but not by any human hand. The kingdom of heaven is beginning to emerge and he's beginning to see this. That, now look at this kingdom for a minute. The iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold was broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on the threshing floor. This is Daniel explained in the dream, in the summer. The wind swept them away. What did the wind do? It swept all the statue away. Yes? Without leaving a trace. But the rock that was struck the statue became a huge mountain. And it filled the whole 
Okay? This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. So the kingdom is going to be is going to supersede them, and that the mountain of Zion will sit on all the mountains and all the domains of the earth. Don't get so caught up in the mountains that you forget Zion. Zion is what's going to sit on the top of them and crush them all. Amen? You're part of Zion, so you have to do your work. Amen? Look at the significant attributes of this kingdom, king. The rock that was struck the statue became a huge mountain in the kingdom of God, which is Zion. The rock, the rock stone cut from heaven struck the statue and crushed the feet. Once your feet have gone, you're wayward. He didn't go for the head first, he crushed the feet. Amen? The stone became a mountain. A stone became a mountain. The kingdom has capacity to grow. Our kingdom has capacity to grow. Amen? The stone, the stone mountain filled the entire earth. The wind swept it away without trace. That's our kingdom. Amen? When all the gold, bronze, silver, iron and clay kingdom have all served its purpose, look what happens in verse 44 of Daniel chapter 2. In that time, and this we're finished, in that time of those king domains, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself will endure forever. This is the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands of a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold to pieces. Isaiah 25:11 says, "They will spread out their, net, their hands. In it, as a swimmer spreads out his hands to swim, God will bring down their pride despite their cleverness of their hands. He will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground, to the very dust. Where's it gone? Where's it gone? Last bit. He'll bring it down to dust. God is going to defeat Satan's kingdom. He's given him a limited time to do what he needs to do but you and I have this kingdom and we must work from this fixed word. Do not leave this to somebody else. Do not leave it just to God. You have a role to play. You've been chosen. Now you've been appointed this morning. Jesus said to Peter, I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys. What did he say? I'm giving you keys to bind. I'm giving you keys to loose. I'm giving you keys to unlock. I'm giving you keys to open doors. I'm giving you keys to build. Build what? The kingdom. Where? On the earth, in your life. I'm giving you keys, Peter. It has pleased your father to give you the kingdom. Satan hasn't got what you've got. Satan can't have what you've got. Do you see that, church? He can't have what you've got. You've got all authority, all power. You've been given keys. You've been given a kingdom. You can open doors. You can close doors. You can bind. You can lose. You can build. You can tear down. You can uproot. You've got all that. Legitimately. Let's stand to our feet. This morning, you've got to take this word that you've been appointed 
to the next level. Chosen is not enough. This mountain, we are very serious about these domains. We're very serious about Zion. Zion will sit on all the earth. We started to talk to you about Zion very early. Last year, two years ago maybe. And we keep on talking about Zion. Zion is not Israel. Zion is a dimension. It's a spiritual dimension coming from heaven to earth. Live in the days of heaven here on the earth. That's why we put our banner on there. It's possible to live the days of heaven here on the earth. We put the banner here. Your kingdom come. Christ will be revealed. How does it get revealed? By his word. Every time we work from that word that's been settled in the heavens, Christ gets revealed. Every time you see him and you operate, you become reformed. The church slowly, gradually, progressively becomes reformed. The more you become reformed, it moves you into the streets, society, domains of life, where the nations, you're able to transform the city. A church can do that, but that will never happen until Christ is revealed. So our purpose in this house is to keep revealing Christ to you through the prophetic dimension. To build the Christ through the teaching emphasis. To transform the Christ by laying hands on sick, going out and preaching the gospel. There has to be an application to this gospel that we have. It's not right for you and for me to sit in this church, eating this food and doing nothing with it. You know what? We'll close down if that's the case. Because that would be an abomination to God. He's given us, he's called us, he's appointed us. Sunday's an empowering day. That's all it is. It's an empowering day to touch the Father's heart, the Father to touch us, to send us out. So we come back in and we refuel, touch his heart again, go back out. Amen? I love the church. We love the church. But let's not make the church our safe haven. Amen? It's our gas station. It's where we get fueled to go back out. Amen? It's our, it's our feeding station. But it's not our hotel. So Father, right now, Put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, I'm moving to stage. I'm going from chosen to appointed. You don't have to say it to me. Just say it in your own heart. I'm going to work from that word that's been fixed in the heavens. That is the anchor. That is my hope. I'll work so I will find out. I will search. I will study. I will pray. I will seek you to, for you to reveal to me more and more that word that has been settled. <coughs> Father, I need revelation. I need wisdom and understanding so I can know that word that is settled. Reveal it to me today, O oh God. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today as it is in heaven. So, Father, I'm here. I'm a child of the King. I love this word. I love this life that you've given me. And, Father, I'm going to use it for your purposes. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you.